Thank you, my brother Ira. Okay, what was the name of the song? Duh, come on. Turn your eyes upon. Boy, that was weak. That was really weak. Thanks, brother. Because that really talks a lot about the message, the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Drew launched, and I'm going to follow up with him. He brought up, uh, what's the day today? What are we celebrating? Some of us are celebrating. And then, Robbie, you may as well come up and preach, brother. You just prayed the message. I mean, it's so deep, and the Holy Spirit does that. So, what I want to say to you today, the first thing we're going to do, just tell me the one word that screams Valentine's Day. Wow. That was better. So I'm going to give you a little appetizer or derb just on love, and then we'll go to the message. And yes, I always have to relate it to food. <laughs> appetizer or derb, amen, CJ said. All right, quickly. Some of you in here have an NIV, some have a King James. Some, the, on the screen, it's going to be the New American Standard. But if you would, please turn to first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just a couple verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. All right. I told you we're going to just look at a minute about love. Watch 14. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. New American Standard. What was the word? For the love of Christ does what? Controls. Some of you with the NIV, the word is compel. And the King James is constraineth. Amazingly, the Greek word here has those options. But the first thing I want to say to you, when I read this years ago, for the love of Christ allows us the alliteration of C's, compel, control, constrain. And I said, wait a minute, Lord, is that your love for me or my love for you? And you know what he said? Yes. I thought, wait a minute, is this, can this be? And I went back and looked in the Greek, and guess what? It goes both words, because you know why? When God loves us, he enables us to love him back. I mean, this is just your little, I just want you to take this with you, that, that the love of God affects our life so much every day that it allows, and so you use the word twice, Robbie, feeble. I don't know about you, some of this message is really what I struggle with in life, but I make a feeble attempt at obeying the Lord at times. And I really have a feeble attempt at loving Him back. And I'm telling you, I am so glad that He doesn't measure my love for Him. Because I couldn't even love Him if He didn't love me first. And that's the same with everyone in here. But watch this. For the love of God in me, controls, compels, and constrains, 
And there's multiple definitions for this. Let me give you my favorite as I look for it. It literally means to govern. His love for me controls me when I'm out of control or what I need to do. His love for me constrains me when I'm not supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to do. And his love for me compels me to want to do what we just prayed about. To go out there and minister to the community, to serve one another. So I'm going to bring out, I'm doing this message for a while. Some of you may know this. It's called the alliteration of C's. You take the first letter of words. And many sermons are built on three P's, four C's, and all that. But I didn't do this. It's amazing the number of C's in this message. And it's just that God did that because what I'm going to give you right now, and I want you to hear me, are two other C words and the difference between condemnation and conviction. Because when I minister what I'm going to minister today, if you don't hear it with spirit ears, condemnation means that you're going to get whacked and it's going to be with punishment if you don't do what I tell you to do. But conviction means that we, the Holy Spirit says, You're not doing it right that way. Come on, let's go. The Greek word, nuthesis, means to admonish upward. In Acts 20, it says, Paul said, I did not fail to admonish you for three years, day and night. He didn't say I was on them all the time. He meant he kept encouraging them to walk with God and receive his love. I mean, the difficulty with we parents is when we raise our kids... Sometimes we do it Old Testament way and we put them down and condemn as instead of the New Testament way, we admonish them upwards. And there's one right there that can tell you I didn't do it right all the time. It's, it's so difficult, but guess what? It's the grace of God and the love of God that empowers us to do this. So as you hear this message today, please don't go. If you feel condemned when you walk out of here, you're going to go like this. But. If you get convicted, you're going to go, okay, Lord, by your grace, I can do this. And that's what I'm trying to share with you today because the messages I normally share have to do with my life and what I'm struggling with. And so we're going to talk today about, let me give you the title, and it's called Contentment. Ouch. Contentment, a biblical mindset or attitude toward the life. Now, I'm going to say this quickly. An unbeliever can never be in true contentment. It can only come out of the heart of a believer. True contentment. The definition is this. A state of being. Get ready. Freedom from care, worry, or discomfort. My, oh, my. See, I'm just, I'm just doing me, my oh my. You got your own my oh my to deal with. Now, let me give you the etymology of this word, contentment. The origination came in years back, I mean hundreds of years. Normally, a word sometimes comes out of a picture or something that you can see tangibly. And this word comes out of a walled city. Now, in the Old Testament, if one group of people or warring factor wanted to take over another group of people and they lived inside of a walled city, 
How did the army outside defeat the army inside? Anybody know? You ready for this? Wait them out. Why would they wait them out? Because they'd do what? Starve or get thirsty. Watch. Contentment means a walled city that has everything they need inside of it. Food, water, everything. Life, trees. Hey, army, you want to sit out there? Go ahead. We're going to have our life. And we're going to enjoy it. That's what the word contentment means. Because you and I are called in 1 Corinthians 6, a temple, a building for whom? For the Lord. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Papa, the Holy Spirit lives within us. And so we are walled in with Him. Not such a bad idea. It's the best idea, in fact, that He lives within us. And aren't you grateful He doesn't leak out? Aren't you grateful when you blow it, He doesn't say, Look, I'm tired of you. I'm out of here. That's not... Reformed theology, it's not biblical. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful, the song, Amazing Grace, Amazing Mercy. Mamma mia. I love it. Because He keeps us. Now, where's the battleground? The battleground's in the heart. Now, I'm going to read you a quote. Now, please stay awake. As my wife typed this up, she said, Honey... It gets a little bit wordy and intellectual. Could you please hurry? So, pay attention. Okay? Just for this, then go back to sleep. Okay? Because I really want you to focus on something that is the heart of the matter. This comes out of Os Guinness's book called A Free People Suicide. And when I read it, you'll understand. Freedom always faces a fundamental moral challenge. Freedom requires order and therefore restraint, yet the only restraint does not contradict freedom is self-restraint, which is the very thing freedom undermines when it flourishes. Just stay with me. Thus, the heart of the problem of freedom is the problem of the heart, because free societies are characterized by restlessness at their core. The more we seek to be free, there, you know, evil is described in the Bible as sin, transgression, and anybody know the third word? Iniquity. And the word iniquity in Isaiah 53, 6, Jesus took the iniquity of us all on Him because each of us has gone His own way. And the heart of a human being always wants to go its own way. And if you don't think you're that way, let me speak to your spouse. <laughs> let me speak to your parents or your children or your co-workers. Uh-uh, we ain't going there. Watch this. Such a claim sounds pious, but it was argued by thinkers who were far from pious. Machiavelli. I had to say it that way. For example, rooted political restlessness... I hope you guys are listening, saints, because today I think there's a little bit of political restlessness. And the fact that human appetites are by nature insatiable. Yes, C.J., I'm using that word. 
insatiable because human beings are able to desire everything. You listen to this. But unable to secure everything. As a result, the desire is always greater than the power of acquisition, of getting. Similarly, Montague, who followed John Locke, who in turn followed Blaise Pascal, Pierre Nicole, and Augustine, though with no interest in the theological concerns of the last three, listen to this, described political restlessness as a chronic uneasiness that gives freedom-loving people an uneasy spirit and leaves them always inflamed. I didn't watch it last night. I'm not going Democrat or Republican, are you? But I think there's a little inflammity going on in politics today. Thank God I watched the dunks and the three-point shooters. There's a, the, the last, you know, debates, both sides, whatever. There's an uneasiness. There's an, we're inflamed. But it's not just for that. And you know, these precious youth, they're growing up. Look what the last sentence says. And all this in a day long before modern consumerism stoked the restlessness even further. It's always about going and getting and running over anybody to do, go do it. And that's what they grew up with, the TV, the radio, the advertisements. You go down the street, oh my gosh, they make it so... But I'm trying to be on a diet. The pictures on the billboards. I'm going to make this real for you. I'm going to bring another C word up. It's called covet. You know, some of us in here have coveted someone else's wife. Oops. Someone else's husband. Someone else's marriage. We covet someone else's job. Parents, ministry, believe me, I minister with pastors and pastors, and they want someone else. I can't believe they get the Because we're never what? Satiated or satisfied. We always want more. See, that's the human heart, but God's given us a biblical, and we are new creatures in Christ. Okay, now you have an opportunity to criticize or judge me when I'm about to say to you, I'm going to make this real. April 30th, 2015, came from a dear friend's dealership. I was in my Camry, and they called me up and said, since you're leasing, come on in. We'll just switch up and let you keep the payment. And I drove out of there at my white four-door Tacoma. Put a little muffler on it that goes, burm, burm. They called me the hoodlum priest. But anyway... And I was going down the road, and all of a sudden, this red two-seater Pontiac Solstice went by. Convertible. My juices started. I wasn't in my car 15 minutes in my truck. And something went by that stirred up this inflamed heart. And as it went by, I went, ooh. And the Lord went, huh? And I went, ooh. I went from ooh to ooh. Because he showed me. I was so blessed. How many would love to have a 2015 four-door white Tacoma going down the road? And I have one, and I'm driving it, and there goes this red sport. By the way, I love red. 
Are, are you hearing me? This is so real. And God wants to help us. See, you can't be, again, a definition, a state of being freedom from care, worry, or discomfort. Now, I got one warning flag before we go to a scripture, and that is this. You are never, ever, ever to be content with your sin. Did you hear me? Oh, Pastor Huntley said, said, I'm to be content in all things. So, woohoo. No. The Holy Spirit will blow the whistle when you're enjoying your sin. And he's supposed to because sin never is good for us. It always hurts. You hear me? Even your little whoopee sin. He doesn't say, okay, you can enjoy that one. Uh Uh-uh. The little whoopee sin, if anybody wants to know what that is, that's the blankie when you sucked your thumb and held the little whoopee. Rabby or whatever. And I'm telling you, little sins produce sons and daughters to become bigger sins. And so the Lord said, never be content. And the other thing is, I'm just going to drop this in real quick. We should never approach this in life as stoics or stoicism. I don't know if anybody knows what that is. I know my dear brother is sitting there, the Ph.D. in philosophy. 300 B.C., the man stoic, and what they do is stoicism. I'm just going to give you it real quick. Is you use your own inward power in your mind, in your emotions, to say, nothing shall touch me. Your own strength. I will not be moved by any external. You see, because true contentment is, you're content within. It doesn't mean the external circumstances are great. You can be content, content in the middle of a hellish situation. Because he has it under control. Are you with me? So, I've met people that, oh, nothing bothers me, brother. Well, we need something to bother you. You need to get a hold of the Lord. Okay, precious ones. Let's go to the prescription. Prescription that heals what I'm talking about. It's the most concise, comprehensive text of Scripture that addresses this. So turn with me, please, to Philippians 4. Quickly, Philippians 4. Verse 4. Now help me to participate, okay? Philippians 4, verse 4. You ready with me? Rejoice in the Lord. I what? And again I say rejoice. You think Paul's trying to communicate something here? Guys, I've got to remind you. You've got to rejoice in the Lord always because your circumstances are never going to be exactly the way you want them. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I don't know about you, but I've got to be reminded daily. I get thoughts that come in my mind. They're called vain imaginings and speculations. And they're even buttered up a little bit. But I know the source, and so I have to cast those down so that I can draw from within. Did you follow me on that? The mind is another battleground. Now watch. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Get ready. One of the most popular verses in the Bible. 
Be anxious for nothing. Do not worry, in other words. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for how much? Say it again. That's the same as saying, not worry and do not fear. About three weeks ago, your associate pastor stood up here teaching CJ, and he said, this was on a Wednesday. He said, you know, I really have to deal with fear at times. And I thought, man, so do I. I must have inherited that from him. <laughs> Wanted to see if you were paying attention. Believe me, he's known. My family's known. It's a struggle. I pastored a church for years. My check came in every Monday. But then when you go to the gathering ministry since 1995, we don't know what's coming in when. And then you go to this verse. Be anxious for nothing. Hmm. You getting it? It's a battle. It's a daily battle. But by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, you thank the Lord ahead of time before the answer comes. Because the answer is going to be yes, no, or wait. If you trust Him. Watch. It says then, watch. And the peace of God will surpass, which surpasses all your comprehension or mind, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus, how many of you would like your heart and your mind to be guarded? Another battle daily? Come on. My heart, my mind, especially today, everything. Information overload. You go home and go. If you do what the Scripture says here, and remember, go back to Second Corinthians, by the power and the grace and the love of God, not my own, He will guard my heart. Look at it says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these. So when you sit there and you got money problems, you got this problem, you're going to stay in the funk because it does nothing but pull you down. Start thinking on the good things. Start drawing from the Holy Spirit and Jesus within you. Then you can cast out vain imaginings and speculation. If you go vertical, it'll protect you horizontally. Are you getting it? We've got to stay, you know, when I say vertical, the Holy Spirit reminded me one day, I said, oh, Lord, i got to stay vertical. And he went, hello? I went, oh, <laughs> where is he? Within. He's not up there. He's within us. And so that protects us. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. Do you think peace is attached to contentment? Anybody? It doesn't only mean absence of conflict. What else does it mean? Anybody remember? Well-being. The shalom. The Hebrew word shalom means a state of well-being. Now here's Paul. Get ready. And then I got one more verse and I'm closing. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have received your concern before me. Revived it. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Verse 11 is the focus. Not that I speak from what? For I have learned to be... Say it again. In what? 
whatever circumstances I am in, I know how to get along with humble means. I know how to live in prosperity. And in any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret. 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 I'm yelling it. It's a secret. The secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's the only way. He within us. Paul had a lot. And then Paul had nothing. But he stayed in contentment because who was within him? I don't know if this is... I don't know if this means anything to you. I hope when you leave this place that when you get the next challenge about what the Lord wants for you, you can draw on truth. You shall know the truth and it does what? Set us free. I don't know about you, but I sure love freedom. Not the kind of freedom people are pushing today, but the freedom that is in Him. I'm just read you one more verse, and then I'm going to close with a comment. Let's go to First Timothy, chapter six. Just go to verse four. I'm not going to do all three through seven. Let's just go to verse six. Verse six, First Corinthians six six. The godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by what? Say it again. Godliness. See, there's some people, the word godliness in the small g is a religious spirit. A form of godliness, as it says in Timothy, is a form of religion, but not life. Now, here's what the Lord gave me for my final comment to you about contentment. About 20 years ago, I was in one of the leaders in town's office. And he said to me, Brother, I need you to give me an answer. To what? He said, I've raised my three kids. I've tithed. I've raised them in the Word. I've shown example to them. And two of the three are rebelling right now as teenagers. I want you to tell me why. You know, many times I'll just come off with a scripture or a comment. And I said, I'll tell you when the Holy Spirit tells me. I walked out of his office. Please listen to this. Matthew 16.33 says, In this world, you will have trials and tribulation. Whose words? Do you think if he said it, it's true? Have any of you experienced any trials and tribulations in your journey? The Lord said to me, go back and tell him that those that are mine, born again, blood-bought, sealed by the Holy Spirit, children of God, this time on earth is as close to hell as they'll ever get. This is your hell. Conversely, those who are not born again in here, who do not know the Lord, if they would die right now, what you have on earth is your heaven. Duh. How many of you just think this is great, that this is heaven? Uh, are you hearing me? We are so blessed. That enough can keep me in contentment that the things I face right now 
are so temporary compared to eternity because temporary this life is like that compared to eternity. And we, just sitting here, sealed, saints, children of God, this is as worse as it gets. And then we'll have the glory. I don't know about you, but my feet hurt and I'm tired of temptation and challenging it. That'll be gone one day. We'll be totally set free. But those who have those things that I have now, sicknesses and battle temptations, it gets worse going to hell. I'm not trying to scare you. I just want you to know the truth. And I'm telling you today, the Holy Spirit loves you. He wants you to be free. We are a people that someone's going to come up and say, how come you seem so contented? How come you operate in peace? How come you operate in joy? Because it's he who's in you. And then you're going to get to tell them. You're going to tell them. Worship team, can you please come up? Only the Holy Spirit can convey to you what I tried to convey to you today. I hope the word is like a neon blinking light contentment. And some of you may have arrived and you're always content. Praise God. But I want you, I'd like you to seek the Lord. See what he's going to tell you. You may want to come up here. You may not. Just stay with the Lord. I'm going to give you a few minutes as the team comes to worship. And then we'll close.